Minister of Foreign Affairs Joseph Wu will be going on an official tour of two European countries at the end of the month. Wu is scheduled to deliver a keynote speech at a forum uh, by a Slovakia-based think tank. He will also be receiving a medal from the head of the Senate of the Czech Republic. The visit comes amid growing support for Taiwan in the EU, which on Wednesday overwhelmingly passed a report on enhancing uh, Taiwan-EU relations. In late October, Foreign Minister Joseph Wu will go on an official visit to Slovakia and the Czech Republic in a rare tour of non-official allies in Europe. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu has accepted an invitation from Globsec to visit Slovakia on October 26th. After Slovakia, he will head to the Czech Republic. On October 26th, Wu will deliver a keynote speech at a forum hosted by a Slovakia-based think tank. Then, on the 27th and 28th, he will visit the Czech capital, Prague. There, he will be presented with a medal by the President of the Czech Senate, Milos Vistrichil, as well as sit down with the Mayor of Prague, Daniel Hrib. Wu was also invited to take part in person at a conference to be held on October 29th in Rome, Italy, by the Interparliamentary Alliance on China. Due to a tight schedule, the ministry has said that Wu will not be able to attend the event live, but will still present his remarks virtually to the conference. Still, speculation is rife on whether Wu's physical absence from the event could be due to Chinese interference. It's extremely likely that China had some hand in it because Italy is one of the countries in the Group of Seven. And Italy is one of the big countries in Europe that embraced China's Belt and Road Initiative early on. If he were to take part in the event, not only would he be seeing members of the Italian parliament, he would also be seeing MPs from many countries around the world. For China, that of course presents a huge risk. With pro-Taiwan sentiment on the rise in Europe, scholars say that China will be watching Wu's itinerary closely. Back in 1999, then-Foreign Minister Jason Hu achieved a major breakthrough in Taiwan diplomacy during a European tour. Hu had signed a number of communiques with the foreign minister of the then-former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. That trip resulted in Macedonia establishing formal diplomatic relations with Taiwan. During last week's legislative elections in the Czech Republic, the Communist Party of Bohemia and Moravia was ousted from parliament. Analysts say the new government may have the toughest stance on China yet. That has also raised speculation on whether Wu's visit to the Czech Republic could further deepen the country's relations with Taiwan. I think that this visit to the Czech Republic is not just a formality. There may be more visits moving forward, so that the two sides can have more substantive exchanges and deepen their relations. As to whether the Czech Republic will establish diplomatic relations with Taiwan, we'll see how it goes. Taiwan may have some way yet to go in securing a diplomatic ally, but pro-Taiwan sentiment is certainly on the rise in Europe. The European Parliament on Wednesday voted 580 to 26 to overwhelmingly pass a report on enhancing Taiwan-EU relations. The report calls for the EU's representative office in Taiwan to be changed from the European Economic and Trade Office to European Union Office in Taiwan. Well, the Biden administration's nominee for ambassador to China, Nicholas Burns, took a tough line on Beijing at a Senate confirmation hearing on Wednesday. Burns said that China could not be trusted on the Taiwan issue, saying that China had previously gone back on its promises regarding Hong Kong. He also said that U.S. should continue assisting Taiwan to strengthen its asymmetric warfare capabilities. 
So I don't think we can. We certainly cannot trust the Chinese in this issue. U.S. nominee for ambassador to China Nicholas Burns was asked about the Taiwan issue during a confirmation hearing by the U.S. Senate's Foreign Affairs Committee. Burns stated that China could not be trusted and pointed to Hong Kong as a prime example why. The commitments they made to the people of Hong Kong and to the rest of us around the world, and the Chinese have gone back on every one of those commitments. So if we link that to Taiwan. We obviously cannot trust China to meet the commitments it's made on the Taiwan issue. Burns had been present at the Hong Kong handover ceremony in 1997, and since then he's seen how China went back on its commitments. The nominee further condemned China for its military harassment of Taiwan. He pointed out that China had sent more than 150 military jets into Taiwan's air defense identification zone since October. Burns also stressed that the U.S. must help Taiwan strengthen its asymmetric warfare capabilities. Chinese、uh, leaders in recent months has been that they intend to take back Taiwan. Our responsibility is to make Taiwan a tough nut to crack, help it increase its asymmetric defenses through the Taiwan Relations Act. Burns, who turned 65 this year, first stepped into U.S. foreign policy circles in the 1980s and has a wealth of experience in diplomacy. During the Clinton administration, he served as spokesman for the Department of State and as the U.S. ambassador to Greece. During the administration of George W. Bush, he served as U.S. ambassador to NATO and as Under Secretary of State for Political Affairs. Now, with U.S.-China tensions on the rise and with the U.S. ambassadorship to China vacant for a year, Biden has chosen to forego a political appointment in favor of appointing a career diplomat like Burns. Analysts suggest that this represents the adoption of a cautious policy aimed at building more stability into the U.S.-China relationship. The position of U.S. ambassador to China is extremely important and represents Biden in direct talks with the Chinese. He has taken a hard line and endorsed a firm commitment to Taiwan. If he does end up serving as the ambassador to China, then I believe that the U.S. commitment to Taiwan should be back on a solid footing. The lawmaker says that Burns' tough stance on China shows that the U.S. is as committed as ever to Taiwan. So, with vaccine coverage gradually going up in Taiwan, public health experts are suggesting approaches that the government could take to ease border restrictions. Some experts say Taiwan should ease entry rules according to each country's risk level by evaluating factors like vaccine coverage. Others say Taiwan should focus first on easing domestic COVID regulations before focusing on border controls. As COVID vaccines go into arms across the world, travel restrictions are gradually being eased. According to public health experts, 69% of countries allow incoming travelers to enter without quarantine or with shortened quarantine as long as they provide a negative PCR test and proof of full vaccination. One health expert says Taiwan should ease entry requirements based on the COVID risk of the traveler's country of origin. I think we should consider making different categories based on the epidemic situation in each country in their vaccine coverage. Only by considering these figures carefully will we be able to achieve a proper level of balance in taking care of the situation in Taiwan. The scholar says that Taiwan should classify countries by risk based on their epidemic situation and vaccine coverage. For example, starting November 8, the U.S. is adopting new entry regulations that waive quarantine for fully vaccinated travelers. In the U.K., only travelers from high-risk countries are banned entry. In some countries in the EU, travelers from high-risk countries can enter as long as they get tested and quarantined. Most countries in Asia still have entry bans on foreign tourists or require quarantine. 
The first group we should consider lifting entry restrictions on is fully vaccinated travelers from countries with low infection numbers, who must also provide proof of a negative COVID PCR test. We should consider whether we can reduce quarantine times for these kinds of travelers. We can observe countries such as the U.S., Japan, and even South Korea to see whether looser regulations over a long time and laxer controls cause the disease to spread. We can learn from other countries' experiences to come up with ways for Taiwan to establish a risk assessment system domestically. Health experts say that with community transmission on the decline, Taiwan's priority can be to first lift restrictions domestically. Sometime after that, Taiwan can observe the effect of COVID variants in other countries before making plans to loosen border controls. We won't consider easing border controls until a certain proportion of the population is fully vaccinated. The CECC has previously said that vaccine coverage is not the only variable to take into account. Officials say Taiwan's epidemic situation must also be considered, especially if there are suspicions of undetected transmission chains. The relevant government agencies are looking into the matter in hopes that life in Taiwan can return to normality. Taiwan could begin allowing mixing different COVID vaccine brands as early as November. Health Minister Chen Shizhong says the government is planning to let people who received AstraZeneca as their first shot to pick Pfizer as their second shot in the 13th round of vaccinations. Let's hear from the minister. For the 13th round of vaccinations, we intend to allow people who received the first shot of AstraZeneca 10 weeks before to choose Pfizer as the second shot. We'll see. Our plan is that starting the 13th round of vaccinations next month, we will open up vaccine mixing of AstraZeneca with an mRNA vaccine. In principle, the possibility would be opened up to all age groups. We wouldn't single out specific age ranges. We may still have to roll out in phases depending on the shipments that arrive. Of course, if there are enough vaccines, that wouldn't be necessary. Mixing and matching vaccines has been shown to incite higher levels of antibodies. For high-risk groups, this could provide additional protection. Meanwhile, Chen also mentioned that another batch of Moderna vaccines may arrive in Taiwan soon. Depending on availability, Moderna may be opened up for vaccine mixing as well to boost Taiwan's full vaccination coverage. A new forensic science lab in Taoyuan will give detectives uh, vital clues on DNA and chemicals faster than ever. The 40 million NT dollar lab brings state-of-the-art facilities to Taiwan, letting investigators analyze chemical traces from crime scenes in just hours. The new lab was unveiled in a grand opening alongside an exhibition celebrating the last 10 years of innovation in forensic detection science. Take a look. Just one finger can control a micro camera remotely to find faint traces of a bullet having passed through the barrel of a gun. This gun barrel detector is just one exhibit at this exhibition to celebrate 10 years of detection technology. Nearby, you find boxes for collecting evidence, microscopes, fingerprint detection systems, and handheld infrared detectors. It's a fascinating glimpse inside the world of the detective. You never pass by without a trace. Or how about let the evidence speak? In today's world, Detective Conan can't rely purely on deduction. He needs to use micro-detection. Because the technology has matured, we have to establish our own laboratories. Criminals are always evolving new ways to evade detection. That's why finding evidence can be a race against the clock. Improving scientific methods is vital. <laughs>
This detection special exhibition held by Taoyuan City also unveils the new DNA and Chemical Identification Lab. The lab, built at a cost of 40 million NT, includes supercritical fluid chromatography or SFC facilities, a rare and valuable asset in Taiwan. The advantage of SFC is mainly that it can tell you rapidly whether your evidence might contain certain chemicals. It effectively gives a fast analysis. The SFC facilities alone are worth almost 10 million NT. It can rapidly analyze DNA as well as newly developed drugs, giving investigators more chance of catching culprits or solving cases fast. In the future, you'll be able to get your result within 12 hours. For example, we could get the defining characteristics of chemical products or DNA within a very short period of time. In various recent homicide cases, or in the case of the dog which was abused in Xinyu district. Officials say the new lab will also make it easier for government agencies to share chemical analyses with each other, and even for counties and cities to share them nationwide. That will strengthen investigators' chances of finding vital clues and pursuing the truth. The Transport Ministry on Thursday confirmed that more proposals are being considered on the location of a future high-speed rail station in Ilan. Last month, the ministry had announced four proposals to locate the terminal near different TRA stations in the county. Now, two more proposals have been added for consideration, but locals remain divided on which site will be best. More proposals have been put forward on where to build a terminal for the high-speed rail in Ilan. One of the proposals is to locate the terminal south of Ilan's train station, between the TRA's Ilan station and Inlet County Government Station. The other proposal is to place the terminal south of the Ilan County Government TRA station, near Huanshi East Road and Provincial Highway No. 9. Concerning the adjustments to the four proposals for the HSR terminal, we have been taking in a lot of opinions from local voices. So now we have a fifth proposal and a sixth proposal. Those in any future proposals will be evaluated by our consulting company to carry out a professional assessment. Yesterday, I reported on the matter with Speaker Yo and went over the current situation of how things are going. Speaker Yo said that we should put forward professional plans and meet everyone's needs. The transport minister said all proposals were being assessed, but opposition lawmakers are still not satisfied. After you came over on September 25th to explain the plans, there was a lot of backlash. Now, not even a month later, on October 21st, you go and say, oh, actually, we're not going to locate the terminal in Ilan or Sutsung. We have a fifth and a sixth proposal. Are you playing SimCity or Monopoly or what? As a government official, you have to take on political responsibility. It's your responsibility to address any controversies and disputes with local officials as quickly as possible. So I think that if Minister Wong hasn't resolved the issue by November 5th, if he hasn't assuaged local concerns by then, I think he should shoulder his political responsibility. The plan to extend the bullet train to Elan has been subject to comments from all corners. In Elan itself, opinion is divided on what the best way forward is. Currently, most Elon residents support building a terminal within Elon City and not at the TRA's Luodong or Sutsun stations. They hope the matter will be resolved as soon as possible so that the construction can get started. The Elon County government's position is that the terminal should be built at the TRA's Elon County government station. Our position on building the terminal there has not changed. 
Elan residents are hoping that the HSR extension project will start construction soon. But with DPP and KMT disagreeing over the location for the terminal, the Transport Ministry has a tough decision on its hands. So the health minister, Chen Su-jong, says the CCC will consider bringing back home quarantine as a possibility for incoming travelers before the Lunar New Year. Chen says he expects more people will return to Taiwan for this holiday uh, this year than in 2020. He says the CCC will also assess the possibility of expanding Taiwan's quarantine hotel network or even making compulsory quarantine shorter. But for now, if you're living abroad and you're planning to come to Taiwan for Spring Festival, act fast because quarantine hotels are almost booked up. If you want to be out of quarantine uh, by Lunar New Year's Eve, that's January 31st. The latest you can start your quarantine is January 16th. But in many hotels' websites, barely any free rooms remain from January 15th to January 22nd. With foreign travel still not an option for most, Taiwan hotels have launched packages to give locals new experiences without the need of a passport. The region Taipei has launched an, launched an Oktoberfest package to transport guests to Germany's famous beer festival. Meanwhile, the Grand Hotel in Taipei has teamed up with a costume rental shop so that patrons can take authentic-looking photos in its historical grounds. Stephanie Yang takes us for a look. Here at the Grand Hotel, you can rent traditional garments such as cheap house and get a full hair and makeup makeover. Then you can take a stroll to explore the hotel's unique history. This is a cheap house tour launched by the Grand Hotel in collaboration with a costume rental store. The architectural style of our hotel and our two Chinese restaurants is very historical. The Grand Hotel was Taiwan's first five-star hotel. Guests can change into their outfits and take photos around the hotel. They can even wear their cheap house while they dine in at the restaurant. Many wedding banquet guests like to wear hanfus and traditional wedding robes to take photos. Besides the cheap house, the yukatas and hanboks are also very popular. Here's our coat cut and meat shearing platter for four. Please enjoy. If you're feeling the itch to travel to Europe, the region Taipei is offering a taste of Germany's Oktoberfest, which attracts over 6 million people every year. This year, the festival has been cancelled in Munich due to the pandemic, but the region Taipei is offering an Oktoberfest room package promotion, featuring meals with pork knuckles, roasted spring chicken, and German beer. Guests can come in as a group of four and stay in this beautiful balcony room that is 65 square meters big and then we have a cold cut and meat sharing platter that is for four so it is a perfect way for guests to stay and, and enjoy this special festival hoping to cash in on travel hungry market taiwanese hotels are offering locals the opportunity to travel without stepping outside taiwan for most news stephanie yang tension han in taipei well, Green Island was once voted one of the world's top 10 diving destinations. And now there's yet another way to enjoy the deep blue sea. A giant sculpture of a longfin batfish has appeared near one of Green Island's top diving spots. It's an undersea post box. The mama fish post box undersea even has a couple of baby fish boxes nearby on land. So whether you just want to get your toes wet or jump right in, you can send home a postcard, postcard and tell your loved ones all about it. 
a group of divers works together to fix this installation down on the seafloor, locking it down at four corners. The black and white long fin batfish sculpture isn't just for fun, she's also an undersea postbox. Since she was installed, divers have clamoured to get selfies. Down here at 6.4 meters below sea level sits the mum postbox. The kids are exploring elsewhere. These innovative landmarks were designed by an undergrad at Datong University. It's a long fin batfish because they often like to make contact with divers. I wanted to bring happiness through this idea of making contact. We don't just want one, let's have a few more. Let's have one that you can walk to and one you can see while snorkeling. The baby fish post boxes are up here at the start of the path down to the diving area so that at low tide you can post a letter on land. Sending undersea posts is a game for divers and paddlers alike. Green Island installed its first seahorse post box in 2018, the deepest on earth at 11.6 meters below sea level. So far it has sold 40,000 postcards and made 100 million NT in tourist revenue. 40% of mail sent from the seahorse goes abroad, but the area is often impacted by extreme weather. Not every day is a good day for post. Sometimes there are wind direction issues around Green Island. The township office had the idea to install another box here at Chaiko Snorkeling Area. In the future, we hope to improve the economic efficiency of diving on Green Island. The seahorse was a real pioneer. Now, with a second undersea post box installed, ocean mail is a definite hit. As tourism revives, Green Island hopes its balmy seas will be a destination for lots of winter fun.